0: Pastor Scott and lead pastor of the river, and really glad that you're checking out our uh, online podcast and our services. And hope that you are blessed by this. Certainly, if you have any questions, if you're wondering about stuff that goes on here, or maybe you're checking out our website more and seeing things that you Uh, are wondering whether or not you might want to participate in them feel free contact us in the office give us a call send us an email Um, we'd love to hear from you love to answer any questions that you have Uh, we hope that you are blessed by what you hear on on this podcast we hope that God's word continues to have power in your life and we pray that uh, God makes himself known that you know how much he truly 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 loves you thanks for checking us out and uh, enjoy the service. Um, This week, we close our time in the book of Romans. And um, although I love the book of Romans, I'm sort of actually uh, pleased to put it behind me. Um, Not that I I don't love what God's word says with it, but it's time for me and Nick as preachers to move into some new things. Um, And so we can celebrate that God has shown us much in uh, our time in Romans. Next week, we begin... A six-week series called Breakthrough, What's Stopping You? And it will be, uh, will be preaching out of the book of Luke. The idea is that so often um, we do get to a place in our faith where we're not growing and maturing, perhaps in the way that we once did or the way that we should. And so often, um, certainly we pray for the Spirit to move us and change us because the Spirit does um, its work in our hearts to transform us. However, um, oftentimes that takes uh, some choices and some effort on our part. And we're exploring the book of Luke to see how different people in the kaleidoscope of God's family um, experience breakthrough. Or actually, there's a, one or two who didn't experience breakthrough because they missed an opportunity of the Spirit's work in their hearts and their minds. So if you're in a place where you're thinking, you know what, I'm, I'm sort of growing, kind of, maybe, or I haven't grown in a while, I'm not maturing the way that I should, this six weeks will highlight and begin our uh, series our whole year on discipleship, focusing on what it takes for um, us to engage with the Holy Spirit in the breakthroughs, the spiritual breakthroughs in our lives. That begins next week. This week, we're going to close with chapter 16, one of the most exciting texts in all of Scripture. Uh, As we spend time in God's Word together, let's pray for his blessing on our time. Father, may you meet us in your Word powerfully today, even though the structure of this text is different than we often learn from that there are things here that we don't often focus on and hear you speaking to us. We affirm the truth of your word that this scripture is breathed into by your spirit and thus has something to say to us. Father, may we have ears to hear and eyes to see. And we pray, Father, for those who are here who are struggling, who are feeling burdened, who are in place of doubt or fear, frustration, In their lives or in their relationship with you. Father, we pray that you meet them powerfully through your spirit. Bring comfort, hope, your love and your grace and your peace to them today. For those of us who are here, Father, and we're just same old, same old. Getting into the rhythm of back to school and this time of year. We pray, Father, that you grow your spirit in us. That there might be a new level of fire and zeal zeal for love of you, zeal to follow you, zeal to put you on display to the world around us. And for those of us, Lord, who come here in joy today, we praise you that we know your blessing. We praise you that we have experienced your presence and your power in our lives. And Lord, may we celebrate and give you thanks for your work. May our lives be gratitude to you for how you bless and how you love us. Father, your word can show us, challenge us, encourage us in your ways. May we listen and hear what you have to say to us today. In Christ we pray. Amen. There are many of you who um, are Dutch background and there are many of you who are not. Um, If you are Dutch background, then you know this game that I'm going to talk about here. And that game is called Dutch Bingo. Dutch bingo is a game that often is played by Dutch folks, that's the name Dutch bingo. When we go to different places, when we meet new people, start new relationships, and suddenly realize through conversation and talking with somebody that we know somebody that they know. Or we might even be related to them. We might be connected with them somehow. Jean Kim made it clear to me when I moved here, because Jean wants to talk about that sort of stuff, that she and I are related. I have no idea how. If you're interested, she can tell you. But we're related one to each other. Her name is Jean Elgersma Kim, her maiden name. Uh, And what you may not know as well is that because you are from Redlands and because you are a part of a Christian Reformed church, the river is a Christian Reformed church, there are so many places in this country where you could go and connect with another Christian Reformed church and meet people in that church who may not know you, but they certainly know somebody who knows you. I have been all over this continent the last number of years for different and various things. And it's always incredibly ridiculous to me how much connection there is between Redlands and the rest of the Christian Reformed Church. Some of you may not know that. This is a unique group. Not just because you're unique and some of you kind of weird, but the fact that many of you have spread out... Over various parts of this country and this continent. And so there's connections in so many different places. I was in Iowa for synod. And spent time talking with various people. And you do not know how many times the phrase came up. Oh, you're from Redlands. Do you know? Do you know such and such a person? Do you know such and such a family? Do you know such and such, uh, you know, a, a group? It's amazing how connected we are. We find that very quickly. The phrase that we often use is the world's so small. And even if you are not Dutch... You can find those experiences and those times and those places when you realize that there are connections in places that are just remarkable. What's the phrase that we often use? Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon or six degrees of Kevin Bacon. You know somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody who knows somebody somebody to the point of knowing everyone in the world. That's the sort of connections we're thinking about here. When we look at our text this morning from Romans chapter 16, Paul is making a lot of those sorts of connections. Paul, because of his work as a missionary, the missionary to the Gentiles is often his title. He has traveled far and wide in the known world, bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ to various peoples, contexts, cities, and places. And as a result of that, he can do what it is that he does here in Romans 16. Let's dig in. And we'll begin with verses 1 through 16 because it highlights that specifically. It begins with, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a deacon of the church in Sincrea, I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of his people and to give her any help she may need from you. For she has been the benefactor of many people, including me. And then we get this list. Lots of, quote-unquote, Dutch bingo. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in Christ Jesus. They risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful for them. Greet also the church that meets at their house. Greet my dear friend Epenitus, who was the first convert to Christ in the province of Asia. Greet Mary, who worked very hard for you. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews, who have been in prison with me. They are outstanding among the apostles, and they were in Christ before I was. Greet Amplius. Pleatus, my dear friend in the Lord, greet Urbanus, our co worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stochus, greet Apelles, whose fidelity to Christ has stood the test, greet those who belong to the household of Aristopolis, greet Herodian, my fellow Jew, greet those in the household of Narcissus who are in the Lord. Greet Tryphena and Tryphosa, those women who worked hard in the Lord. Greet my dear Persis, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. Greet Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother, who has been a mother to me too. Greet Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the other brothers and sisters with them. Greet Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and Olympus, and all the Lord's people who are with them. Greet one another with the holy kiss. All the churches of Christ send greetings. You can see why I talk about this as one of the most exciting passages in the text of all of Scripture. Paul's doing something here, though, that's actually pretty important. Remember who he is, and remember what he does. We talked last week that he is the great missionary church planter to the Gentiles. And what he's doing here is he's making connections with people to show them his support and ultimately the support of the larger body of Christ. He starts off in verses 1 and 2 with Phoebe. And Phoebe is a person not that he is greeting, but that he is commending to them. What's probably happening happening is that Phoebe is going to be very soon or at some time in some way making a journey to Rome and she is basically asking Paul, if she didn't ask him, he just chose to do it himself, give me an introduction to the people of Rome so that they can allow me to be a part of Christ's ministry there. Phoebe is unique. We read about her in the book of Acts. She is one living outside of herself. She is a person who has looked around in her community and asked the question, where can I show the love of Christ? And she has certainly done that in the life of Paul. He makes that clear. But she's also done so in the lives of others. Now you can imagine that if Phoebe went to Rome and she were to say to Rome without any introduction, I would like to be a part of the ministry and support things, that there might be a level of mistrust. There might be a level of this is an unknown quantity. We certainly have that in our own lives. If you have someone who's coming and it sounds like coming to you and they sound like they're offering a used car. You know what I'm talking about. You're not trustful. Paul's helping Phoebe be trusted in the community by saying, folks, you can trust her. She's been a blessing to many. You can allow her to come and be a part of your community and be a part of the ministry of Christ. And then Paul does some other things for some other people. He greets them. There's a whole list of greetings that he makes to various people in Rome. And he sends greetings to people he knows and some whom he hasn't met personally. Now remember, if you remember at the very beginning of the book of Romans, we talked a little bit of the political landscape of Rome at the time. One of the previous Caesars had actually exiled all the Jews from Rome, and so they had been dispersed, spread out all over the place, including places like Corinth, places like Macedonia, Places like Philippi, places that Paul had visited at various times, and these were exiles from Rome, so it was very possible that these were people that he ran into over the course of his ministry, and they had since been returning to Rome. And so now he had people there that he knew. It's part of the reason, actually, why Paul so much wants to go to see them. He wants to go to see them because these are people that he's known and loved in ministry in different contexts, and he wants to be an encouragement to them. He's giving encouragement to them because they're in the trenches of ministry. And the thing is that if you are in the trenches of ministry, then you need that sort of encouragement. Tryphena and Trifosa, obviously, obviously these are sisters. These are two people who are working hard in the Lord. Those of you who know working hard in the Lord is something that can take much out of you. There are times that we in the office, I mean, we're, we're exhausted with ministry. And some of you have experienced that too, especially when you're in ministry. Working with those in need. I think of Mike and Patty right now. How tired they must be. In different moments. Because they're on the in the trenches. The front lines of ministry. I think that for Sandy and Ross often. I think that for many of you. Who are in relationships with other people. Where you are showing Jesus. That are hard and challenging relationships. And it's. Oftentimes, uh, just that little cup of cold, refreshing water to be encouraged by somebody that what we're doing in ministry is a blessing. A blessing to others, but also a blessing to the church, a blessing to the kingdom of God. Paul knows that need. He has needed it himself in various times. He will thank people for their encouragement, including Phoebe here in our text. He wants to affirm that if you're in the rough stuff, the blood and guts of ministry, you need to be encouraged. And not only that, but he's building partnerships for the future. These are people, remember, not long Three, four years hence, he will be with them in Rome. He just doesn't know that he's going to be in jail. How could he know that? But since he will be in jail, and since he will have certain needs, don't you think that these people whom he has greeted and encouraged might want to be a part of supporting him while he's in Rome? He's affirming that Christ is seen in their work. They're bearing fruit. These are people who are doing things, who are a part of things that help them see the kingdom of God grow. And he wants them to know that even though you are alone, even though you feel isolated, Rome is, at least for the church, on the outer fringes of the mission. He wants them to know there are people who see what it is that God is doing with you. See how God is using you. And we see the fruit that Christ is bearing in you. Now, certainly we see, read a letter like this. And we may quickly wonder, as maybe you wonder as I do. If Paul or another great leader in the church were to write a letter to the river, who would be greeted and why? Why? Who would receive, what sort of greetings would we receive here? Would there be people that are recognized by the body of Christ as bearing fruit? I believe there are many. I believe that our list, God be praised, would be a long list. Remember, the church in Rome is probably no more than 100 people at best. This is a much larger church. I would hope that there are those outside of this community who recognize what Christ is doing in you. That there would be greetings to this family. Greetings to that family. Greetings to this person who is working hard in the Lord. Greetings to this person who has been of assistance to the kingdom of God. And I guess in some ways, one of our challenges today... Is to ask the question, in the body of Christ, what fruit are you, am I, recognized for? What is it that God is remarkably and uniquely doing in you? That if one were from the outside to look close enough, they would be able to see, this is this person's spot in the kingdom of God, the body of Christ. Let's encourage, encourage, and affirm that. Now, it's interesting that we have this section of greetings because what happens next may give us something to wonder about. Verses 17 through 20 say this. I urge you, brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions and put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. Keep away from them. For such people are not serving our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own appetites, by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the minds of naive people. Everyone has heard about your obedience, so I rejoice because of you, but I want you to be wise about what is good, and innocent about what is evil. He's giving caution about those in the church, in the body of Christ, who can create barriers to the kingdom of God. He wants the people of Rome to think about what sort of barriers there are in this community. What sort of barriers, what sort of people are stopping the kingdom from growing. In essence, what people are stopping the church from truly bearing fruit verse 18 shows us what fuels such work. It says appetites. Appetites is an interesting word. We wouldn't often use that, we may say something like desires or highlight a specific thing like selfishness, but he says here, Paul appetites. And what he's saying is that there are certain things that people get hungry for in their own lives, that in their hunger and pursuit of them, that these things can become a barrier to someone bearing fruit. I want to highlight a couple to you. Selfishness. A need for recognition, a need to be right, or one that no one in this room has a problem with, a need to be in control. All of these things, selfishness, need to be right. A need to be in control, a need for recognition can all be an appetite in our walk with God that we do what we do for its purpose and not to glorify God in selflessness. What is the overarching theme of Romans is that one, one needs to die to themselves And when someone is appealing to their own appetites, they're not dying to themselves. In fact, their selves are alive and well, and they're feeding them. So Paul is saying these folks are trouble. Why? Because as we see in his greetings list, there's a lot of selflessness there. These are people who look outside themselves in the needs of others, in the kingdom of God, in things that are not just about their stuff. He's challenging the Romans, what are you about? And it's interesting, actually, to me that he gives these warnings after he gives greetings. I want you to imagine. Imagine that the Roman church is gathered it's Paul's letter day. They all know that a rider or a ship or something has come into town carrying the scroll that Tertius has written. There is all this stuff in there, and they're interested in Paul, what Paul has to say. And so the church of 60, 70, 80, 100 people gather And they're gathered there, and Paul has written to them many things, and of course there's questions and discussions, and what does he mean by that, and how could he possibly say that, and what are we supposed to think about this? Through all the letter, but then we get to Romans 16, and you can imagine people start to sit a little bit closer on their seat. Why? Is he going to say my name? Is he going to say my name? And the people, Trifus and Trophas or whatever their names were, they're, they're sitting there and they're going, oh, good, good, good. We, we love you too, Paul. But then over here is Bob. And Bob has been a part of the Roman church for a long time. And Bob isn't that happy of a person, And Bob isn't always that nice of a person. And Bob is certainly a selfish person. And Bob is sitting there. And he too is sitting in the front of his seat. I wonder if Paul will say anything about me. And then he doesn't. There's no Bob in Romans 16. And immediately following all the greetings, there's all these warnings about people who are selfish and appeal to their own appetites. How do you think a guy like Bob receives that? Am I that guy? Am I that person that someone outside of this community cannot see the fruit that Christ is bearing in me because my selfishness and my appetites blind that work or anything that I do from the world? Would you and I receive greetings or not from Paul? Would our name or the name of our household, or our family, or our group be on the list? Or instead, would we have to listen, perhaps, to the warning of Paul about those who are not bearing fruit? And then we get 21 and through 23. I miss a peace, so I'll add that in from 20. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Timothy, my co-worker, sends his greetings to you, as do Lucius, Jason, Sosipater, Sasipater, sorry, my fellow Jews. I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you in the Lord. Gaius, whose hospitality I and the whole church here enjoy, send you his greetings. Erastus, who is the city's director of public works. And our friend Cortus, send you their greetings as well. If you notice there, it skips in maybe in some of your Bibles from 23 to 25 because there is this verse that is omitted in some manuscripts. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with all of you. Paul here in this little section here, he's extending greetings to Rome from his colleagues in ministry in Corinth. These are people who are involved in the mission. And they're key leaders in the church. And Paul wants the people of Rome to know who these people are because A, he also wants to encourage them. These are people who that the recognition of Paul and him speaking their name to another group of Christians would be an affirmation. But he also again wants to highlight partnership. Folks, you're not alone. In Rome... There are those of you who are working. And in a place like Corinth, there are also people working hard in the faith. And you don't know their name. You don't know who they are. You don't know what they're doing. But I want to tell you about a couple who are doing very similar things to what many of you are doing as well. And these people are united with you in the work of the church. You are not alone. Others serve Christ. And others pray for you, take courage. You're not isolated as you might feel. You're not as alone as you might think. And for us to hear that ourselves in our own hearts, because oftentimes we can feel alone. I can tell you very honestly that when I am in a place of discouragement in my ministry, loneliness is usually my first emotion. I feel like nobody understands. I feel like, how could people know what it is that I'm going through? How could you, who are not involved in this difficult, messy, yucky, hard thing, know the feelings that I feel as I'm around that and hear it and are regularly exposed to that? And I can feel that sense of loneliness and isolation. And I'm sure that many of you have that same sort of experience. Paul is reminding the church in Rome, folks, no matter how it's going, no matter what's going on, you're not alone. There's other folks who are in the work with you that are fighting the good fight beside you that are behind you supporting you in front of you leading you underneath you making sure that you can find your way these are people who in your life are the spirit of Christ take courage and then Paul closes with 25 through 27 one of the great doxologies of the text it says to this it says this now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with My gospel, the message, I proclaim about Jesus Christ. In keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings, by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. This is the closing blessing in doxology of Romans. And in it, Paul, right from the beginning, he's visiting some of the great themes of the letter. He's almost in some ways in this few short verses giving crib notes to the Romans. Hey, if you missed it, here's what I was trying to tell you. In essence, it's this statement, God be praised. God is active in you through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, the one long promised, the one who was taught and guarded by the Jews in the history of Israel. But now Christ is offered as a means of grace to all people and to this God, this God who has watched over you, you Gentiles, and given you away to Jesus Christ. May that God receive praise forever. And you can imagine that this group of people gathered in this room or in this outdoor area to hear Paul's letter would be greatly encouraged by that. Because it's almost one of those hair stand on your hair stand on end on your arms sort of statements. That's the God that we serve. The God who watches over us. The God who has sustained us through the history of the Jews. The God who has made a way through Jesus Christ for us as Gentiles. Not God's chosen people. Not the ones who were circumcised and set apart. But instead God made a way for us as Gentiles to receive the God and this God is filled with power and this God is loving us and showing that power to us of course we want to give God praise forever it's that sort of statement you can almost see those folks hearing those words wash over them and them saying yes give God praise yes he made a way yes we are part of his people though many of us are not Jews. Now, in light of this incredibly exciting slice of text of Scripture, how do we take next steps in our own walk? What do we, what do we get from this? What do we learn? Well, the first of all, right from the beginning, to live the life of Phoebe. Verses 1 and 2 highlight this great character of Scripture who has lived outside of herself into the lives of others because this glorifies Christ and not just gets you uh, commendations. It gets you, you know, gets you traveling papers. You've done this well here. Now go to Rome and continue to do it. Phoebe has shown by living outside of herself how that is recognized in the body of Christ in the kingdom of God for us to realize that for ourselves. Think about your calendar this week. Think about your schedule and your activities. How many of them are about your own appetites, your own needs, instead of focusing upon the needs of others around you? Second thing for us to take away from today is to be encouragement to others as they serve Christ. They need it. Again, that feeling of isolation can come, that feeling of loneliness. I have certainly asked the question of myself, is it even worth it to work this hard for the kingdom of God? And then a kind word comes. I had a nice email from a person this week who affirmed something that God spoke to them through last week's message. It's a word of encouragement that feeds my heart, feeds my soul, and is the spirit of Christ and his love in my life. And we all need that. Spend time even this morning. I mean, ignore my last couple points. I don't care. Look around this room. Who here do you know is living into the challenges of the kingdom of God and who needs a little word of encouragement. There's little prayer things right in front of you. And you can use that just as a little word. Scrawl a sentence and a half. I see what God is doing in you and I give God praise. You don't even have to put your name to it. I guarantee you words of encouragement will fuel people when so many other things Don't satisfy. A kind word is often spoke of in Proverbs as a speaking to the soul, an encouragement to the heart. Thirdly, bear fruit for God's kingdom in what you have. You are unique. And you know what we see even in the greetings list? We see people who are working hard, But we see other people too. We see people who are simply hosting somebody in their house for church. The church that meets in their home. They have hospitality in their gifts. So they show hospitality and the net result of them showing hospitality is that there is fruit that is born in their lives. You see others on there who have simply been, frankly, a mother To somebody who needed one. Paul says, she was also a mother to me. How many of you have the gift of simply being that sort of love, care, and concern? Like a parent in the lives of a younger person who is struggling, trying to figure out who God is making them to be. What God is calling them to do. You all, all of us in the kingdom of God, have unique gifts. Where has God called you to bear fruit, and then do it? Like we said last week, discover the gifts that God has given you, and then bear fruit with them. I have been a part in various times in my lives, uh, in my li- lives, in my life with several churches. And the funny thing is, I can tell you things about those churches. I started out in a little church in Kemptville, Ontario, Canada. It had literally, um, basically take that area of pews, that's how big the church was. There were literally less than 100 people in there. And I can tell you who the pillars of that church were. There was the Watkins family whose home was always open. There was the Dykes family who just loved on people who were getting out of high school because they had kids that age and they knew how hard it was to walk through that time of life. There was the Van Buckhorst family, and I love the Dutch names, Van Buckhorst family, who they, these were people who were always teaching, teaching Sunday school, teaching high school catechism, teaching cadets, leading the uh, Calvinets at that time. Some of you might remember. All these different things. These were people who were pillars, but then we moved. We moved to a city called Kitchener, and in Kitchener, Kitchener was about the size of the river. In fact, it's much larger now. It's about 12 to 1,500 people. But I can still tell you who the pillars of that church were: the Hookstras, who were always up here playing their instruments and leading praise team. Pastor Jacob Kunst, who always stepped up the steps. There were 10 steps going up to the to the pulpit. Can you imagine me up here preaching down on you with the voice of God? And he would run up those steps, but he was strong in teaching catechism. And to this day, I can show you the diagram of, of the Heidelberg Catechism that marks me with how I understand the deity of Jesus Christ in a powerful, powerful way. This is a man who spoke to my heart, to my life. The Rorta family. It's funny because they were a pillar in that community in terms of sharing and loving on people and being very pastoral. The funny part is, the person who came out of that family, his name is Darren Rorta. Darren and I went to high school together. He was at synod with me this summer. Darren is actually now the Canadian ministries director. For the Christian Reformed Church. He's the Pope of Canada. For the CRC. <laughs> he was. And if it came from a family. That would receive greetings. Can tell you. About the Teveldi family. Up in Visalia. I can tell you. About. Communities all have. Those pillars. And those pillars are the folks who are willing to engage in the life of the body of Christ. And you know what? Sometimes those pillars they're they're not very noticeable. They're maybe not on the corner, the big ones that everyone sees. Sometimes they're in the back. They're the person who shows up here sometimes which we have to clean the nursery toys. Because She doesn't want anybody to get sick when they come to our nursery. It's this person over here. We have people like this who as soon as they know that somebody is having a birthday or an anniversary are sending out cards and sharing greetings with them and blessings and encouragement with them. Sometimes it's the Nandewits of this world who go and are part of Hands of Mercy and don't just with His his actions, but also with his checkbook, support the ministries of the church in beautiful, beautiful ways. My question for all of us is, A, are you a pillar? Maybe it's a corner pillar. Maybe it's in the back. Maybe it's supporting this place. Maybe it's supporting that place. Is, or instead, are you not a pillar? because you're allowing your appetites, your own self-focus, your own selfishness from stopping you from using the gifts that God has given you to bless the kingdom of God. As I read this letter that Paul wrote to Rome, and as he concludes it, I long for us. I long for me, to discover more about who Christ has made me. Who Christ has made us. So that when we get a letter. When we get. A, 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 when, when God speaks to us. He can say. And here I'm at work. In this person's life I'm at work. In this family here's what I'm doing. In this space and in this ministry. Here's where I'm involved. And I want to allow God I want to take away every barrier that I might create, that we might create, so that he can see more of that in us. Now, um, it's appropriate now to highlight a pillar of this church in a very um, personal way, and that is the Intout family. Um, I mentioned to you several weeks ago that... Um, uh, Nick is transitioning in his ministry. He's been a part of youth ministry here, he and Julie, for um, 11 years plus. God has done great things and bear borne much fruit in them and through their, their ministry. But uh, the time has come for Nick to transition into a new stage of ministry. And certainly as he makes that transition, Julie and the rest of the family do as well. Julie and Nick, uh, why don't you guys come up here? Um Nick's new role is uh really uh, and we're still trying to figure out exactly what the name for it is because there's a lot of different components but it's uh, uh really the pastor of discipleship and family life. Nick uh Nick's role is to think a lot about how we as a group, we as a body, um, see disciple making. What does it mean for us to grow disciples from young children and in teenage years um, all the way to adults and to think about ways and steps that we can take to think about that discipleship and how we do it, how we engage in that more. Certainly, um, he's preaching more and I I'll just say, man, you're growing, and you're doing great things from the pulpit, and I give God great praise for that. He's speaking through you. Uh, It's been sort of fun. Nick and I have known each other for um, more than my time here. We've known each other for about nine or ten years, maybe, and it's extraordinary to me to watch the Spirit grow in you. I think about when I first met you, um, who you were then. And I give God praise for how he has grown you in such incredible ways. And certainly Julie and her support of you and her work with these, these, these folks and the challenges that they, they bring, we wanna pray for you and encourage you and in Julie's work too over at the school and starting the Spanish, um, the Spanish program over at RCS. What we're gonna do is simply this. I'm gonna ask office bearers present or past to come forward if you would. And as this new ministry, one of the traditions of the church Church is laying on of hands those who are beginning a new work. If you are an office bearer of past uh, or present, please come join me up here. We're going to lay hands on Nick and on Julie. You guys, if you'd stand right here in the middle. And then the rest of you out there are partners in that. If you would raise your hands in blessing to them that they receive the power of the people of God as we are words of encouragement, words of Christ, words of love and grace in the Intel family as they begin their new um, step of ministry. Let's pray. God, you are truly good. And you have shown your goodness to us through the ministry of Nick and Julie for many years. You've given us stories, beautiful, beautiful stories of where you have spoken through him, where the two of them have entered into the life of a couple or a family and been love and been support and been encouragement and been you in that place. Lord, we take great joy in watching them grow and mature, and even as we see little Simeon here, we are mindful that your plan continues to build for the Intout family. Bless Nick in his new work. Thank you for the partnership that he and I share. Thank you for the experience that we have of sharing life, tears, frustration, anger, joy, all the stuff of ministry together, and that within that, Lord, we see you at work. We pray, Father, for this new season. Be an encouragement to Nick and Julie. May they always know your Spirit's presence. May they always know your love. Even when ministry gets hard and challenging, when there are times of frustration, Father, meet them and show them who they are in your eyes. We praise you for their work. Praise you for bringing them as a pillar to this body. And we pray, Father, that you continue to build them up through your Holy Spirit in this body as well. Pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You're welcome. Um, After we sing our closing song and receive God's blessing, if you'd like to join us down in the fellowship hall, um, we're having cake, and it's certainly a time for you to come up, speak a word of encouragement to Nick and Julie, let them know how you love them and encourage them. I want to, as Aaron and the praise team come up, I'm going to give one other plug. And this is how you can be a pillar of the church. I've spoken to uh, three people over the last month who've said one thing, and this is a little bit of a discouragement to me, but it's also an opportunity. These are people who've come to visit the river, who've come, walked in here, worshiped with us, and then walked out. Sometimes have gone to the fellowship hall. Sometimes they've waited in the lobby, and no one has greeted them. No one has said hi, no one has asked them who they are, no one has said, I'm Bob, who are you? And how did you come to the river? My encouragement to you this morning um, when it comes to that is simply have a kind face on, don't scare anybody, walk up, shake a hand, ask a name, give yours, and talk for a minute and a half, That's all I ask, a minute and a half. You can wait. There will be cake enough for you to get down there in a minute and a half. Go down later, talk for a minute and a half, and be part of hospitality, warmth, and encouragement to people who are seeking a church home. And we want to make our home warm and welcoming.